There have been so many guests on the podcast that I wish we could have gotten more one-on-one time with. Because when you really get to sit down and have that intimate experience, you learn so much more. And that's why we love our longtime partner, Masterclass. Because where else are you going to get one-on-one time with RuPaul? Teaching you how to be your most authentic self as if among friends. And if you were as fascinated as I was after Natalie Portman joined the show, maybe you wanted to go deeper. And her acting class on Masterclass lets you do just that. With their set of 180-plus world-class instructors, you're in good hands when you decide to set out on your next learning adventure. Plus, if it's not for you, they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. My favorite. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. One purchased, one donated. That's the promise of Bombas, whose incredibly comfy socks, tees, and underwear go not only to you when you buy them, but also to people facing homelessness. So when you put on that buttery soft tea or realize you've developed a habit of reaching for Bomba socks, which I do, over every other pair in the drawer, you'll know that someone in need is having that same feeling. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. Yes, this is Abby. Today, we are re-airing one of my favorite of all time We Can Do Hard Things episodes. It is episode 167, Tracy Ellis Ross, How to Make Peace in Your Own Head. This episode aired on January 10th. First of all, I... I think that famous people aren't that interesting because of their fame. And also, I like to get a sense if they're real or if they're just performing. And Tracy Ellis Ross is exactly who she is. She's wonderful. She's kind. Uh, and this episode and the conversation we had, it was one of my favorites for a lot of reasons, but I think it clearly demonstrates the human that she is and the work that she's done. To me, why I felt so uh, compelled by her was because she seems to me like somebody who has done work in her life and has figured out a way to move through her life even a wild life. Like it feels like she lives a very in the spotlight life. And I thought that her way and the story she told, I mean, the fact that after big events, she's already planning her self-care, her radical idea of self-care for post events. That was life-changing for us. Listen to this episode. It's beautiful. I love Tracy Ellis Ross and enjoy. I continue to believe 
welcome to We Can Do Hard Things. I'm going to really rush through the intro because today we have one of my favorite people. Is that not true? It is very true. On this entire planet. Tracy Ellis Ross is an award-winning actress and producer best known for her roles in ABC's award-winning comedy series, Blackish and Girlfriends, for her role as Rainbow Johnson in Blackish as a comedic leading actress. Ross won the Golden Globe Award in 2017, mm. as well as nine NAACP Image Awards. She was nominated for five Emmys and two Critics' Choice Awards. Oh Ross is the CEO and founder of Pattern a hair care brand for the curly, coily, and tight textured masses. Ross recently executive produced and narrates Who Lose the Hair Tales, amazing, a docu-series about black women, beauty, and identity through the distinctive lens of black hair. Upcoming, Ross will be producing a 10-episode podcast, I Am America, which aims to break through the noise during this divided time in our country. Did you know this? I did not. In an, in a, I'm so in proud our country, of that. I can't wait to share that. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't. I honestly can't wait for you to hear it. Oh my God. Yeah. This is, it's so funny, Lizzie. <laughs> you know what's funny about it? It's funny to listen to a friend read your stuff because <laughs> it has nothing to do with our connection. Yeah. And so it's funny. It was, it was like at my birthday when my friends had the microphone, I was so tickled. It, <laughs> that's what we want to talk about. We, so first crazy. of all, we decided we're going to do this interview differently than we ever do interviews because okay. we don't want it to be like a, this is your life thing. Because what I told my sister and Abby is that I just thought of this category of person, but you are my, I'll have what she's having. Yes. Person. When you look at someone and you're with them and you spend time with them and you see who they are in the world and you're just like, I will have I'll what have that, she's please. having. Yeah. <laughs> And I just truly find you to be one of the most unique and wise and magnificent women I know. Oh my and it's God, how kind. Well, most people are like one thing or another thing. You mm. just kind of like mm. pick something and go with it. Mm-hmm. But you are so raw and real mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also glamorous. Yes. You're so powerful and poised, mm. but also very transparent and tender. Mm-hmm. It's just all the things at once. And so now I get to have you for an hour and do what I've always wanted to do, which is I need you to tell me everything you know. Okay. <laughs> and you're kind of did that. We kind of did that in my old house. I know. I know. I know that did that. So Amanda, good. I'm so happy to meet you as well. It's like crazy. I, I, your voice is like a part of my world. But I haven't like had Likewise. time with you. Yeah. So oh, it's lovely to meet you. It's this really is fun. It is um, fun. First of all, what you just said about me, it's so interesting um, to have mirrored back a version of yourself that is actually the version you want to be, you know, oh. um, and to get to a place in an age where it's happened, a co- there's a couple of different times in my life and I go, oh, okay. Like, despite what it feels like sometimes in this dangerous neighborhood that is my mind, sometimes it's a great place. And sometimes like, don't go in there alone. Mm-hmm. Um, despite sort of some of that inner dialogue and that really bad story that happens in my head. Every once in a while, I catch glimpses of the way I'm actually presenting out mm-hmm. in the world. And it's it's a nice moment of validation and encouragement of like, okay, you're doing okay. You're moving in the right direction. I think so, Tracy. Yeah. You are. If you're not, we're all <laughs> fucked. If you're not, we're going to stop trying. So can you explain mm. to my sister, and because I've already talked to Abby about this ad nauseum, but 
what you talked to me about cauldron sisters. Mm. Yeah. Talk to me about what the cauldron is. I have this theory that souls are made in bunches Mm. and, um, I don't know, mother nature, someone somewhere, um, some beautiful gathering of people. They have these big cauldrons that they make people in, um, that they make souls in and it's it's souls, honestly, not people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like, okay, what's this, this one's going to have, I don't know, a little bit of little bit of heartbreak, but like a lot of joy. I don't know. And these are going to be people who have really open hearts and whatever. And then they go, when they're cooked, um, when the little veggies are cooked in there, the souls, they like sprinkle them out through time. And some of them are like, you know, they were back in 1816 and one goes in a dog and one goes in a lizard and one goes in a Abby and one goes in a Glennon and one goes in an Amanda and they're like all over the place. And then you don't know when or how or what's going to bring you to another cauldron fellow, sister or whatever, whomever. Um, but you meet someone and you're like, oh, we're from the same soup. Oh my God, this is exactly correct. (laughs) Right? Like, it's one of those things where you're just like, I don't know what it is. Like, why do I feel like I've known you forever? It's like, oh, we have the same map. We have the same ingredients. And although the time period we're from or the the town we're from or whatever, like there was nothing that you would think would make our lives match. Somehow we come from the same ingredients. Yes. Do you know what those things are? Mm, that's interesting. I really find that I am from the same soup of people who, because I say this, there's some people where there's a lot of matches on the external things. And then there's the people that it's just like the inner roadmap is mm-hmm. just similar. The things that soothe and comfort and the willingness to have the inside conversation. Mm-hmm. on the outside, the deep conversation, the transparency. And the thing that's interesting is sometimes, like, I mean, you know, we don't see each other all the time. Um, but I've called you in um, tangly moments mm-hmm. and I've run into you on planes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow there's a connection that is beyond um, the circumstances of our life. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the people from my cauldron, um, also, I do think back in the day, I would have been certainly burned at the stake. Totally. Definitely, definitely a witchy lady. I know. I kind of think our cauldron way. is literal. I think it's a literal. <laughs> it, it, might, it might be. Yeah. It, it really might be. We might actually be out of a steaming cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it looks like, so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always say that when you hear those old stories about the women that were burned at the stake because of their beliefs and and their feelings and their instincts and their intuition and their deep soul calling. Um, I read their description and I'm like, huh, that sounds like a really great lady. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every damn time. Uh, yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm, that, that sounds like someone I would really want to be friends with. <laughs> yeah. Every time you hear of a witch, you think, cauldron sister. I think that's my sis. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, mm-hmm. so... Abby and I were freaking lucky enough to be at your recent 50th birthday celebration mm. of life. It was so freaking beautiful. Mm. Um, yes. It was a cauldron of your people. It was, it was. And I really appreciate you guys coming out of the house because I know for me and for you, that's not an easy thing. Yes. Well, I would do anything for love, Tracy. I literally, I would even I literally, do that. I'm one of those people that I'm like, 
Yeah, I would love to go, but do I really want to leave the house? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm always thinking, oh, I wish I wanted to go. <laughs> oh, that's the best. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh-huh. So I have to tell you, we were there for maybe 10 minutes when maybe six people had come up to us and introduced themselves to us as your best friend. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just started, now that's what I do. I do in interviews. I just say, I'm Glennon Doyle. I'm Tracy Ellis Ross's best friend. (laughs) But (laughs) it was amazing how many people were so, you're just beloved to people. One woman told us that you were the only person who was in her delivery room delivering Mm -hmm. her twins. And she told us this next to her husband. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking, (laughs) oh, he was on a business trip. She was, she was, yeah, she was on hospital rest, um, with her twins. She had to be in the hospital hooked up to things and he happened to go like for a 24 hour, like he literally had to go somewhere for a work trip. And so I was on call and I got the call and, um, and I was right there. And then, and then I switched off. And then when he arrived, I had, but I was the first one to hold them, oh, uh, Philly and Clover. And it was really magical. I have to say the doctor actually said, cause you know, they put the little curtain up and the doctor was like, you can actually sit down. You don't have to watch. I was like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I was like, actually, can you scoot over a little bit? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> my view. yeah, you're blocking my view. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. You have described yourself as a barnacle on your mm. good friends' lives. I just love that image so much that you insist upon and allow yourself to be a barnacle. Talk to us about that. Yeah. You know, there's a really interesting thing. I am single. I have been single. I've been um, single for a very long time. I have had many wonderful ins and outs of things, but no one stuck to the pan. Mm-hmm. And as a result, um, I get to curate my family, my chosen family around me. And I don't think I realized the gift of that until I've started to get older. But my friend Samira, she's the one that coined that barnacle phrase. Mm. And um, she did a toast. She did that uh-huh. beautiful toast. She did the toast. Yeah. yeah. So Samira, um, I met when I was 22 at Mirabelle Magazine when I went to work as an intern in the fashion department there. And she was also an intern. She is now the editor-in-chief of Harper's mm. Bazaar. Um, yeah. Um, we've been through all these journeys together. And really, it's just the best metaphor because it's like you think of a barnacle, like, you know, I, I keep thinking of those people that are like chored with scraping the barnacles off the bottom of the boat that like (laughs) don't want to go and they've like made home there and then they like shackle to other barnacles and they're like (laughs) attached to the boat and making a life on a thing that's not really where they're supposed to be because it's supposed to be on a rock not a boat you know and (laughs) and that's what I feel like I feel like I'm like on the back of Samira's butt just like I got I got you girl you can't there's you can't even reach me if you try and scrape me off like I remember someone saying once, I tried to get rid of that relationship, but it was like gum on your shoe. There's always like residue of it somewhere, you know, Mm. and it's the best residue. I mean, you know, the history that occurs over. So Monica and Samira were the two that gave uh, that Mm -hmm. back and forth speech together. And um, Monica and I met in college. I was 17, 17. We were both 17. Our boyfriends were best friends (gasps) and they're long gone. Yeah, they are. Wow. (laughs) 
They are long. They gone. were not and barnacles. No, nope, <laughs> yeah. they were not barnacles. Swimming. They were like they were like the people with the brush, and you're yes, like, exactly. good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So Monica, uh, seventeen, Samira. When I graduated from college and was interning, I met her at 22. I'm 50 now. So these are long-run situations. And Monica's an only child, so I'm I'm the sister. I remember her son, uh, we were together somewhere, and there's a video of it. It's fantastic. I'm sitting on Monica's lap, or she's sitting on my lap. And um, he was like, what are you guys doing? That's weird. (laughs) And Monica said, this is what people do. They love each other. Oh. This, this is what it looks like, kid. Get used to it because this is it. Yes. You know? Um, God, I love and yeah. it. So Barnacle, uh, I'll be there. I'll be there on there. What was that friend song? I'll be, be there for you. you. I only hear it six times a day. So yeah. Um, I just love that idea of it, be, it being okay to be stubbornly stuck to someone. Because mm. I think mm. so many of us are afraid of being a burden and... I love the claiming of that. I absolutely am afraid of being a burden. I think one of the things, I can't remember who said this to me, that um, not one friend or one person has to be all things to you at all times, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is really helpful um, because I come from some wiring and information that might have told me (laughs) something a little bit confused. Mm, Not me. (laughs) my my no. messages were very clear and, and yeah, really clear. I'm not unpacking any of no. this as an adult. <laughs> no, no, no. It's patriarchy didn't teach me nothing. No. So what do you <laughs> no. mean? Well, so we go back to this model that you're sold. That we not only are we sold it, but we are fed it, and we have to drink it, and it's everywhere. And if you're not careful, you actually think it's true, and it's the only bit of news for you, mm-hmm. which is that um, my job as a woman is to um, learn to be choosable, um, having nothing to do with who I am, what makes my heart sing, floats my boat, makes me feel safe, makes me feel comfortable, makes me feel good, makes me feel um, powerful, makes me feel smart, any of those things, but really is more about how I might be seen so that I might be chosen so that my life could mean something as a chosen woman who then gets to have a child mm. and then be a mother and do that for a child. Mm-hmm. Um, So our culture sells us this, and there is nothing wrong with that journey, but if uh, it's a chosen journey as Mm -hmm. opposed to the one that you think is going to make you worth anything. Mm. And and then everything starts to fall into that messaging. And then if you're a Black woman, there's like a whole other blah, blah, blah. There's so many different versions of that, but that's like that overarching thing as a woman. And then your friendships fall into that hole too. So if you haven't been chosen for a guy, then you're going to fill all that God-sized hole and all those different things with a friend and then you become the best friend. And then it just, you know, Mm. all, it just gets all real tangled and real confusing. Mm -hmm. I've been um, grateful enough to have found um, places where there are eons of tools and different ways to unpack that crazy messaging, Mm -hmm. make sense of it in a way that um, actually gives me a shot at genuine happiness and a robust life that's actually mine. Mm. And it's like a daily reprieve. Some days are better than others. Some days the old messaging comes in, sweeps in, and I've got a really nice matching story that goes with it of my unlovability and Mm. that narrative that just kind of travels along with it. And if I'm not careful and go into, you know, that thinking alone, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I get stuck there. Um, and then, you know, you come out. But did the, I, that was a long-winded way of saying, you know. It was <laughs> a lot. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. It's true. You don't go somewhere new and exotic just to be there. You go to do things, be it a historical walking tour, ziplining through the trees, or guided tours through museums. Like the hassle-free self-guided audio tour our family took through Versailles. If you're planning a trip and really want to make the most out of your time, I recommend you check out Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences from simple tours to extreme adventures. And there's something for everyone in over 190 countries. Thrill rides, spooky ghost tours, secret food guides, exploration off the beaten path. It's all there, along with millions of real traveler reviews, 24-7 customer service, various payment options, and flexibility and support with free cancellation. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I want to follow up really quick. How do you mm. not go into your own mind or thinking alone? Yeah, what, what are that your strategies? Like? Friendships. Um, I have practices of healing and support that I lean towards therapy, um, Mm -hmm. some of which I keep sacred and private. Some of those, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, I don't share them necessarily publicly, but friendship has been the biggest and the willingness to be completely transparent, um, and to be able to call people when I am on the floor, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's metaphorically or physically on the floor. But when in my mind I have been floored, which happens often, I can't remember the, the, I think it's friendship, um, the tools that tether me, this is actually something I got from you, (laughs) tether me to, um, what I like best about my life, Mm -hmm. which is the, basic things. Yes. Like my favorite part of my life is my life. Mm-hmm. I love all the stuff, but like, I really like my making my bed in the morning or doing laundry or making my food or, um, taking the garbage out. Like just the basics that really tether me to my own humanity mm-hmm. and my own sense of self and being able to show up and be of service and all of those things. I have so many different tools. Um, that keep me out of my, it's honestly like the, the, my mind is a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. It gets dangerous when I get connected to the really bad horror story that I have been stitching together Mm -hmm. since I was young, you know? Mm -hmm. And somehow when, if I get, if I fall back into that groove, it is so dangerous up there. (laughs) And then everything's colored by the wrong information. Everything. Yep. It's like the, our minds are such, I mean, yours especially, like magical creep. Things come out of it that are unbelievable, not of this world. And but then that's when you're in charge of it, when you give it a job, yes. When it gives you a job, like when you haven't directed it, no good. You know, is it when I haven't directed it? 
That's an interesting distinction. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what it is that starts it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes it's not connected the way I think it is. It could be like two days ago, I was with somebody who started me being afraid about something. Mm-hmm. And then somehow that fear like starts to snowball and then it starts reaching into other areas. Mm-hmm. Like once I start getting afraid, it could just start with a little anxiety. Once it, you know, and, and I think I've shared this with you. I'm one of these people that I don't know what, I don't know how this happened, but I don't get scared of stuff until after. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a girl that like jumps off a cliff, right? I'm like, oh my God, let's do it. This is the scariest thing in the world. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get organized. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this list. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to make sure I'm rehearsed. I'm going to make sure I know what I'm wearing, how I'm doing it. Who's going to be there? Where are we doing it? And then I go, and I jump off the cliff and I'm up there and I'm like, I'm flying. I'm flying off the cliff. I'm flying and it's so good. It's everything I wanted it to be. This is the best cliff I've ever been off. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then I land. And then I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> Who would do that? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. Oh my God. You're so dumb. This is actually evidence. Put that in the fire of unlovability. That shit is going to roar. We're going to make sure that we go back through every single thing that you did with a fine tooth comb. And we're going to prove to you that you are exactly the most unlovable, stupid, humiliating person in the world. How could you ever? You are filled with shame. You are riddled with it. And then that's what happens on the next day. Like it's out of control. It's like out of control. Oh, shit. Risk and hangover. Then, wow. Yeah. It's a risk hangover. And then what's crazy is like, In that state, someone could say, oh my God, that was so amazing. They could say one thing and I can hear that they were covering, they were telling me the part they liked. But then it's my job to figure out all the things that I did wrong that they didn't like. And and the truth is some of that is an ace in my deck, right? Because I'm not going to make a mistake twice, I'll Mm. tell you that. Mm -hmm. Some of it's an ace in my deck, but when left unchecked without compassion and tenderness and kindness... And when I'm alone with it, he's in no bueno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gentle, I, gentle, gentle, gentle. That's gentle. one of my favorites. Like give it twice. And then I have another friend who always says to me, give yourself a thousand breaks. And when those are done, give yourself a thousand more. Mm. Yes. And I'm much better at that as I've gotten older. One of the things I learned from Pema Children that was the most, uh, not that I know her. Right. Just from, <laughs> from her from book. Her, from her books and her material. But she's walking around going, hi, I'm Pema Chodron. I'm Tracy Ellis Ross's best, best friend. friend. <laughs> Listen, that's exactly where I feel. By the way, Glennon and Abby, when people found out that you, they were like, wait, you're friends with them? Oh. It was amazing. I was like, yeah, that's where they're, yeah, we're best friends. <laughs> what? You didn't, yeah, I don't, I don't talk about, you know, my, but yeah, we're friends. So, um, but one of the things I learned from my dear friend Pima um, was, If I can't take the information in, like there's times when it's not the time for me to look back Mm. and I can wait until I can actually look back constructively Mm. and not in a way that's going to create another wound and more wound. And I'm learning as I've gotten older to be deliberate about my aftercare. So Mm. like Mm. I had a plan the day after my birthday. Mm. What was it? Um, it involved going somewhere where mm-hmm. I could have proper support mm-hmm. and um, be a part of um, a community that supports me in that way. Um, and I gave myself the day I left for Cabo the next day. Mm-hmm. So I had all day to 
look through and make sure I felt okay about it. Mm. I have to like see it back for myself to hold it in a way that it actually remains. And one of the things I do with my therapist is before something, we now ask the question, how do you want to feel after? Yep. And what do I need to put in place to support myself in the after. And I'm such an independent person. One of the things I really am not good at is I think I'm good and I need to better plan being not alone because I'm always, I like to go places alone, but I need the, the partnership in it. Mm. And so it's really interesting. You just gave us a, a to-do list on how to support people who have Mm. events Mm -hmm. or situations that might be a big deal and to work through how it was and also to take care of yourself post because going out of the house is a, is a thing. It's a thing. And it's more of a thing now post pandemic. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff yes. got kicked back up for me. Yes. Yeah. Did you feel like the birthday would be so would be vulnerable because so many people were there that you loved? How did you decide that you want to feel after it? One of the things, my mom loves a celebration. She just, since we were, my mom loves Christmas. So I'm a child that came from celebration, celebration for the birthday. Like it, birthdays were just, it was magic what my mom would do. She would draw on all the mirrors. There were balloons. So like you would look in the mirror and it would say, mommy loves you. Happy birthday. Like it was just the most glorious, like she just loves celebration. I am honestly, it's taken me a long time to realize I'm not that person. Mm. I don't decorate for Christmas. Mm. You got to take it down. Though. That's exactly Ooh. right. That's exactly how I it's feel. The same, same reason I don't wear mascara. You got to take it off. Yeah. <laughs> Aftercare. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Yeah. You know, like if I'm not doing it for work, you've got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. So um, I celebrate in different ways. It's like different for me. So I made a, some conscious choices because it was 50 mm. about what I wanted to do. Last year, I had the most perfect birthday ever. It was six people. Mm-hmm. At dinner, a restaurant I always go to. I order the same things I order. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking. It was just a regular dinner. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. This felt important for me. Um, it is an honor to turn 50. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are people, particularly after what we went through with COVID, so many people lost their lives. People don't make it into this age. And I feel honored. Yeah. Even the things that I'm really challenged by, like really but I feel like, thank you. Like, look where, like, this is evidence of my life and my history and my legacy and like my laughter and my things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to mark it with that. And so I had to ask myself, what would make it feel like a celebration for me? Mm -hmm. Some of those things were, I wanted costume changes. Oh God. (laughs) Just wait, because we have so many Clothing, clothing really, it just, dressing up is just, it, it's, I don't know. People might think it's, it's, I love it. When I am having a bad day, one of my favorite things to do is go in the closet and play dress up. Um, I woke up this morning, I bought a new sweater and I woke up this morning at six 30 and I was like, Ooh, I have the outfit. And I, in my glasses, my hair everywhere stripped down and went in the closet and made the look with the new sweater and literally looked in the mirror and was like, yeah, you got it. You got it. You got it. That's what I'm talking about, Tracy. I have no idea where I'm going to wear that outfit. I never leave the house. But I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Now that's Tracy. Ha! All right. Now I'm going to brush my teeth. 
<laughs> I need you to ask a question about it. Okay. Yes. And this might be totally, I'm just, you have said about fashion. It's not look at me. It's this is me. Yeah. This is yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. I need you to explain to me what the hell that means. I understand okay. like a chef can mm. be like, here's my heart and mind and soul on a plate. Mm-hmm, Tracy mm-hmm. Ellis Ross can be like, here's my mind and my heart and my soul in a sweater. I'm amazed by it. Okay. So when I was young, I've always loved beautiful things. I used to trail after my mom and pick up the beads that fell off of her dress on stage after the curtain went down. Um, you could hear them crunching under her high heels and I would get those little um, uh, 35 millimeter like canister things Film. and I would collect mm-hmm. them and then I would separate them um, by color into the different beads. And so I've always loved the artistry of clothing. I saw a woman, my mother, Uh, use clothing and glamour as a way to transform herself into a different version of herself, but Mm -hmm. still herself and a woman with agency. Mm -hmm. It was about her. It wasn't about pleasing someone else. It was sort of adorning herself with the, um, all of the baubles that she felt were a, a version of this, this part of her life. And so that was always my relationship to clothing and glamour and sparkle. And then I started to use clothing as um, armor. Mm. And now looking back, I can define, there were two ways that I fought racism um, without realizing that's what it was. But I came from a wealthy world and I was living on Fifth Avenue, but I was still one of very few black people in many environments, in stores, in different places. And I didn't know that what was coming at me sometimes was microaggression and microracism and all those kinds of things coming at me in these different ways. And so the way I presented myself um, was part of my armor. Mm -hmm. I was going to play the role of somebody who couldn't be fucked with. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I did it in grade school, high school. Like I just, there was a way that I would see it was, it was just, it was my armor. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of transformed itself and, um, transmuted itself out of armor and into a form of creative expression for me. And it's one of the ways I wear my insides on my outside. And so I dress in all different kinds of ways. And back to what you said when you described me at the beginning, like all these different parts of me that seem to match or don't match or whatever, like I, I let my clothing be that. So sometimes I want to feel really sexy and then sometimes I don't want to feel sexy. So it just depends on like what I'm covering up and what I'm wanting to share and all of that. And I worked in fashion and was a stylist for a while. So there's a, a language to clothing that I really speak. It's like sometimes I watch dancers and I think, my God, the language of their bodies. Mm -hmm. Like they're literally Mm -hmm. speaking a language. Mm -hmm. And for me, style as opposed to fashion, but style is an expression the same way. Alok defines beauty in a way that it's the imprint of your soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's beauty is something that blossoms and And I feel for me, clothing is a version of that. I really wish everyone would adopt that understanding of beauty, by the way. It just blows my mind. I think it's wild that you just mentioned Alok because that's what I was thinking of when you were talking. I, I, yeah. I think most, if not all of us living in the LA area are excited for this stretch of historically bad weather to come to an end. That is for sure. If there's one positive to take away from this, 
it's a reminder of just how much we value being outdoors and enjoy the beauty that our planet has to offer. That's why we love partnering with EarthBreeze, the laundry detergent brand that fights everyday stains and odors, giving you an amazing clean every time. More importantly, EarthBreeze's earth-friendly mission has led them to make plastic jugs a thing of the past and plant over 150,000 trees. I've been using their eco sheets, which are convenient to use and convenient to store. They take almost no space in our laundry room. Right now, our listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash hard things. That's earthbreeze.com slash hard things for 40% off your subscription. Your costume changes that night. I get what you're doing. I can see the language you're speaking. I'm like, oh, there's the majesty that's inside of Tracy mm. is now outside of Tracy. Mm-hmm. Oh, the sexiness that's inside of Tracy is outside. The like ancient spirit that is inside of Tracy was in that first costume. Yeah, that first outfit was genuinely like some futuristic, like, yeah, timeless. I don't know. Yeah. Alien was, was, or Roman. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. I don't know yeah, if we were yeah, going yeah, backwards yeah. or forwards or, at, yeah. or upwards to heaven or yeah. downwards. <laughs> yeah. We were outside of time. And then the dream to wear the, one of my mother's mom, dresses. There's the love, tradition, honor of the lineage, the, the that outside of Tracy. I'll t- can I tell you a cute part of that Please. dress? So I sent my mom a picture of a black version of that dress. And I was like, so where's this? Where, where's this? She was like, oh, we can go to we can go to the storage and we can find it. And then she said, but there's a red one. And I was like, great. So the red one was even better. But so I went to my mom's house and um, I have spent much time in her quick change booth when I was younger, um, learning how to get her in and out of um, a dress in three minutes. And there's a way you like hold the waist, you butterfly a dress on the floor. So you step right to the floor and then the dress comes up because those weigh like 30 pounds, those dresses. Oh my God. And so oh my you, gosh. yeah. So you, you hold my mom's waist. So she's steady as she reaches down to pull the dress up and mm. then you switch once she's got it up enough, you switch and her arms go in and then you can zip up. Right. And so I've done that many a time and all through the years. And so this time I went to her house and there I was <gasps> totally naked um, with my mom holding my waist. And I said, mom, I'm so sorry. Cause I took my underwear off. I'm like, I'm so sorry, mom. And she was like, I know, I know that thing. And I was like, I know, but you haven't seen it in a long time. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like get a little bit out of your reach now, you know? She's like, and- I made that thing. <laughs> I know. And I, as I always say, which really drives her crazy, I'm like, I know I came out of your vagina. Um, which makes her crazy. <laughs> she's like, Ugh. so inappropriate. Um, so she's there, I'm naked and she's zipping me into her dress and then taking <sighs> the pictures of me. And it was, it was really moving for me. Um, very, because so much of my life, um, Diana Ross aside, but I saw my mother, I saw this incredible woman in a sparkly dress on a stage and what it meant to me about being a woman in charge of your life. Mm. The example, a woman that was saying, this is me, not look at me. Mm. A woman that was in her full glory um, and freedom with her arms up, her heart open Mm. in her sensuality and sexuality. And so it was a, a, a lighthouse that 
I've been walking towards. So then at my 50th birthday to actually be in one of those dresses and to strangely out of nowhere, grab the microphone, (sighs) um, and unrehearsed sing her song. It's my turn Mm -hmm. and change that line to 50. I'm 50 and I'm free. Mm. That was just kind of magical. And in the cauldron of my loved ones. Um, I mean, and also the same beads that you were picking up as a child. Everybody just, was jaws open. Just I mean, like, how are we witnessing this? Yeah, it was. Yeah, surreal. it was. It was a really un- unplanned and um, unbelievably special moment. It was so interesting because after my birthday, which is what I'm in now, um, it feels like I had a New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm on the other side, and. I'm the dust has settled from blackish and I was tethered to that for so many years where everything was around it. I'm out also going through perimenopause. So, mm-hmm. um, I have for my entire life been tethered to a very routine cycle mm-hmm. and I'm very connected to my body. So I would know I'm ovulating, I'm, you know, I would have all the feelings of knowing that. And all of that is out the window mm-hmm. and I turned 50 and here I am in this open space now sort of, um, allowing the bubbling up of whatever might be here um, because I'm really specific about my life and I'm somebody who doesn't just go where the tide is taking me. I really, I manifest quickly. So Mm -hmm. I language deliberately um, because otherwise I go places I didn't mean to go. And so it's a, it's a really interesting and open special moment right now. So fucking cool. Sissy, did you want to say something? So, I want to say so many things. Say things. Um, Are oh you crying? God. Is anyone not crying? Oh, that's the first. <laughs> Sister cried. That doesn't happen in our family, Tracy. I'm just sitting kind of in awe of the life that you have built with such intention and how utterly uncompromising you've been in terms of being yourself mm-hmm. and like all of the passions and agency and choices that that means. What do you attribute that to? Like, what do you attribute your kind of ability Insanity? to be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what, what do she does, attribute? Tracy doesn't abandon herself. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've really learned how to do that because I, I think that I have abandoned myself way too many times, Mm. way too many times. But each time in, in the aftermath of the hurt, I do ask myself the question of how do I not end up here again? Mm -hmm. And what I have discovered is I will end up here again. Mm. Oh God, it's Mm. true. Damn it. Why do we have to keep learning those same lessons over and over? I just think that's it though. It's funny. I just, I have been nursing another, um, just deep disappointment and Mm. my little inner child was, she was just crying, just Mm. crying so hard. And for the first time I was able to sit with her and I was like, here's the thing, my love, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I don't know. I don't know how to be anybody else. I just don't. But what I know how to do is to be me and to just hold that space with as much compassion and curiosity 
and gentleness as possible and to find all the things, even if it's a bag of freaking Funyuns, <laughs> like what is it, what is it that we need today to just try and hold that space of love? I think that's the thing we're sold that's wrong. I don't know that life is supposed to be a thing that just feels good all the time. That's right. But how can we hold the spaces and the days and the periods when it just doesn't feel good mm-hmm. and I just feel so unlovable? And like, how can I have the hurt without deciding it means I'm unlovable? How do you not give meaning to it? And that's where the work is, like in that little space, right? Because I tell you, I mean, I mean, this is, I'm on the floor half the time. I'm one of your questions. What was the question? Like, how often do you feel bad? What is, I, I saw Yeah, that how often are you down? Oh. Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of times? Like three last Anything. year? Anything. Three last year. I'm joking. I'm like, do you mean yep? Do you mean like, <laughs> like what? I don't remember last year. I am bogged down by this year. Thank you. Yeah. I'm bogged down by this week. And the thing that's crazy to me is like you're just sailing along. It's like a good one. I'm like feeling good. You got your sweater. And then like, and like, where does it come? I'm like, oh, I did not know I was gonna get sideswiped by that. Mm-hmm. And yes. why am I two days later still in a hangover? Why is it a week later? And also I've learned that. Two, both thing, two things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. I can be really productive and doing really well and also like heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something you just said, I don't know how to be anything but me. To me, that is so incredible because I know how to be anything. <laughs> like I, almost anything but to me. <laughs> Right. And so there is an equal amount of pain and loneliness in being able to be everything other than you. Yes. And and so like that thing, how did you get to the place where you could A be you and identify it? Like this is Tracy. I can see it, I can smell it, I can put it in a sweater. And then how did you get to the place where you just couldn't be anything other than that? Well, I actually think that's the the question is actually how the the entrance into it was making friends with the loneliness and the hurt that comes on either side. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I was other than me forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I still have days where I'm like, why the fuck did I just say that? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't I didn't believe like what it what did, who was that person? That was so weird. Like, why did I do that? Like, you get home and you're like, oh my God, that person thinks I'm a person who does I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No worries. I'll just move. Like, yeah. Like, God, that's what, that's what I think every time a bug comes to my house. Well, yeah. the, good yep. for you. Time to this go. is your lovely new home. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> um, also, you know, I don't have kids. I don't have, I haven't had a partner. So I have been forced to go like, well, I don't know. What do I want then? There's so many things I don't do Mm -hmm. because there's only so many things you can do alone. And I do a lot of the things alone that most people are like, I can't believe you do that alone. I go on vacations alone. I go to dinner alone on a Friday night at seven or eight o'clock. You know what I mean? Like I do all those things, but there's certain things that like, I'm not going to do alone. I'm just not. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I've been forced to kind of figure out that going in my closet and making an outfit like really makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like I get jazzed up and I'm like, that was good. Now I'm going to go watch the crown. Good night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, woo-hoo! 
this day was good. <laughs> you know, I'm going to eat a whole jar of olives all by myself. Even though my sister said, I smell like olives when I was five. <laughs> I like olives. I'm going to eat the whole jar. Um, like now I just, I literally, people put a bag, you know, open a bag of potato chips. I take a jar of olives and I pour the liquid out and then I dump it into a bowl and I eat the bowl of olives. <laughs> it sounds like heaven. It's heaven to me. But so I think it's more the other thing because I think we all yeah. suffer with, yep. am I this or am I that? But like, how do we tend to, how do we hold really lovingly and gently the aftermath that comes up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shame, the all those things that you should be doing something different, living a different way, should have done it differently, said it differently or whatever. Like, how do you hold that part of you? Because that's mm-hmm. the thing I think that holds us back from actually having a life that we want to live. But I struggle with all this. I mean, there's, I'm just bumbling along over here. Mm -hmm. Don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. You know what I mean? That's right. Like it, it always looks like it's easier over there. But it's also knowing that losing somebody hurts and then the losing yourself hurts more. Yeah. Yeah. It's I just, love you, but I love me more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's a really hard one mm-hmm. um, that doesn't work every day. Yeah. It doesn't work every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love me, but I love you more. So fuck it. Let's you know what? Today, today you win, buddy. <laughs> right. Today, I, exactly. today I have thrown, I have thrown me out the window, my yes. dear friend. You know, I got this and sweater tomorrow, and I'm going out. Yeah. And tomorrow I will, I will deal with the aftermath. That's right. We will, That's right. We will call the therapist and the squad of friends and we will try and put me back together because I obviously threw me out into a whole bunch of pieces. I also used to be a person, I swear to God, I would run the things by everybody, like go to like put $20 on the gas tank number 12. And let me ask you a question. So there was this, there was this guy that said, and so he called and then I called, should I, do I call him back or? I don't know. I mean, I just, I know. Oh yes. On 12, number 12, I guess. <laughs> but do you have any experience with this? Because you're objective and I know you don't know me. So I just want to run this by you. Is there anything you could tell me about your choice when it comes to the calling him back? Do I wait two days? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I do. I do. <laughs> I mean, I tried to be I'm going to try everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or the, my life is mine speech. Like oh. that was all my, oh. my favorite line in that was, I asked my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> like, tell, tell us. Get out of here. Get out of here, Tracy. Like, come on. Like, you have not been with this person in how long? What you doing, girl? I know. It, you don't need his permission, but it still comes up, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I For also the six people myself- who haven't listened to that glamour okay, sorry. Um, speech, it, it was the realization that Tracy came to after she found herself stewing over the need to tell her very ex- boyfriend that she was interested in seeing other people. (laughs) If you're listening, you couldn't see. I rolled my eyes so hard that I thought they might get stuck behind my head (laughs) at the thought of myself doing that. This is the thing. I have a friend who also says, you know, we know better. We don't always do better. Amen. And sometimes we know we're not doing better and we choose it anyway. And we choose it anyway. That's right. And so what? And that's the same person who says, hey, babe, why don't you give yourself 1,000 breaks? And then can, when those are can done, I have that more. friend's number also? <gasps> you do. Yeah, exactly. you, you, she's she's fantastic. come on the podcast. She yes, might be my actual best friend. <laughs> because <laughs> it's crazy. Like you just, yeah. You don't know. And she always says to me, it's not always what you're doing. It's the questions you're asking. Mm. Just ask the right questions, you know.
Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you are feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Their specialized recruiting professionals engage with their proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative, and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You know what's interesting to me is while you're talking and you're talking about how you talk to yourself, and I know how you talk to other people in real life, and I was thinking about how you've mentioned twice that, well, I don't have kids, but, and I was mm. thinking that the people, I have three people in my life who I consider to be the best mothers. Like oh my who give gosh. Me the, you know what I'm going to say right now? Yeah. <laughs> who just have the most pristine mothering energy. Mm-hmm. And it's you. And these are the people in my life. You, Liz Gilbert, and Alex Hedison. Mm-hmm. And what's what do they all three have in common? They don't fucking have kids. Yep. Yeah. And they're all very I good always, looking. They're the, oh, they're also all gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> they're the best mothers that I know. I will say, I say this to people all the time. I'm a wonderful mother. Wonderful. And I'm very mothering. And, um, and it's been hard for me to claim that mm-hmm. in a world where I don't have the thing that says, I mean, what did I, what was I just writing as I'm trying to, let me see, hold on. I can feel my body's ability. This was journal entry from like three or four days ago. I can feel my body's ability to make a child draining out of me. Sometimes I find it hilarious as if there's a fire sale going on in my uterus and someone's in there screaming, all things must go. And then I look Mm -hmm. down and blah, 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 skip that. And then this is what's interesting to me. Um, As my body becomes a foreign place to me that doesn't really feel safe or like home, And I don't know how to manage or control or fight the external binary narrative of the patriarchy that has hunted me and haunted me most Mm. of my adult life. Is it my fertility that is leaving me? Is it my womanhood? Or is it really neither? But I have to fight to hold my truth because I have been programmed so successfully by the water we all swim in, by the water we all are served. And I feel fertile with creativity, full of power, more and more a woman than I've ever been. And yet that power that I was told I must use was not used a power. um, Yeah. I mean, just trying to figure out sort of what that means, like, because my ability to have a child is leaving me, but like, I don't, I don't agree that that's what fertile means. I don't agree that that's what woman means, which is why the freedom that the expansion around gender has offered me and the knowledge that is being shared with us by the trans community is like, oh my God, thank you. Mm. <laughs> like, thank you for finally unpacking something that like I had no ability to unpack because of what was handed to me in a culture that like thought of it in such a limited way. And so trying to make sense of that at this age with my own limited point of view um, is is really fun, honestly. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And what if that idea of fertility from so young, if it was handed to us and saying, what are you going to do with this fertility that you have? And yes. one minute aspect of that 
might be that you choose to reproduce. It's that's what your fertility is this big. And then we would realize, God, how many generations and it's generations like of fallow ground because we were never presented with our own creative, forward-thinking, beautiful fertility. And then all the women who just have kids, who everyone looks at them and says, well, you should be freaking happy. You did the thing. You did the one fertile thing. And no, they maybe had a a wide vast of what their fertility could have birthed into the world. Now it's, it really, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It's a heartbreaking thought. It's heartbreaking. And I'm grateful to be able to look at it with curiosity Mm -hmm. um, instead of heartbreak. Mm. Um, And the heartbreak does come up uh, and I get to hold that gently and lovingly. And then say, remind myself, like I woke up every morning of my life and I've tried to do my best. Mm-hmm. So I must be where I'm supposed to be. Well, thank you for speaking up too on behalf of the trans community. I've never thought of it that way. And being a person who won't have my own biological children, you just kind of gave me a little bit of a roadmap of work I need to do. And I just, I'm really grateful for all that you just said. That was unreal. <laughs> thank you. She's something um, this one. <laughs> She's something. <laughs> so hard for me to take any of that in. But it is a, a an unbelievable injustice that is laid on all of us as human beings. Um, that there is one pathway that is informed by this random construct. Mm-hmm. that somebody came up with around gender. Mm-hmm. When I pull back from it, I'm like, that's like a joke. Who did that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, who, who did that? That's, that's not, that's so silly. Mm-hmm. You've just mm-hmm. limited so much, so much life. You've limited so much that's life. Right. And so it's many almost choices. like that was the point. Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> almost like that was the point, mm-hmm. you know, really like, it's like ter- terrifying when you think about it, you're just like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I ponder these things a lot. And then every once in a while I hear something and I'm just like, right. Like what, why did I, why, why did I, and then I have to forgive. We all have to forgive ourselves because we come by it honestly. It's yep. what we've been served. It's what we've been That's given right. and the courage of those that give us a different roadmap that shares something that opens up um, and unlocks a space that we had locked down unconsciously is always such a gift. When your sister Rhonda, who I love so much, mm. when she gave the toast. You know, she's the wise one, by the way. Like I'm chopped, like I'm chopped liver in my family. Like my siblings she's are like something. the shiznizzle. All your siblings. Just mm. like they're just magical. They take care of me. You know mm. what I mean? They love the love you, you the all have for you. each other is just, the love is so palpable. Yeah. It, mm. That was one of my favorite things about the night. It was unbelievable. Just watching your siblings watch you. And ha- anyway, glowing, all glowing. Okay. <laughs> Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Rhonda. (laughs) Rhonda. Okay. And then she said, she quoted you back to you when she said, my life is mine. Mm. And then you sang a song that was your mom's song. And then as you said in the beginning, you were saying, I'm 50 and free. Mm -hmm. I'm 50 and free. Mm -hmm. What are you free from? When you were saying that, what were you thinking? And maybe freeing from. 
Like maybe mm. we're never free from anything, but like. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I'll ever be free from yeah. some of these things. I've actually read little things I wrote when I was like 15 and 12 and I'm like, wow, I've been chomping on this stuff forever. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost done. Fascinating. In another 50 like, years, you're going to have it nailed, Tracy. I am going to have this stuff nailed. I'm going to tell you. Think of it's the costumes. Even- <laughs> Think of the costumes. Um, I remember this moment. Um, I was crying so hard to this particular friend. And I was like, I just, I don't, I don't think, I just don't think, like, I just am not right. Like, I just, the people, I'm just not lovable. Like, I do it all wrong. And she was like, oh, hold on, hold on. You know, maybe you're just not everyone's cup of tea. And I was like, but I want to be everybody's cup of tea. Like, I want everybody to just, like, I want to be everybody's cup of tea. It's like, okay, but maybe you're not. And I was like, okay, I don't like that, but okay. Um, and she said, why don't you do this? Why don't you make a list of all of the things that you like about yourself? And I was like, that seems crazy. Um, and I made this list and I realized that so many of the things that I like about myself are the things that I do think are difficult for people, but they're the things that I like about myself mm. that I'm not afraid to say when I don't think something feels right, that I'm not afraid to say when something doesn't feel right for me, mm. no matter how far and deeply into that thing I am, mm. wow. that I have a really loud laugh, yes. like all these different things, right. That make me maybe not everyone's cup of tea. And that like totally changed my relationship to those aspects of me that I think I was trying to hide in order to be chosen, to be lovable, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know that my discomfort with not being everyone's cup of tea or Mm. the unlovability and self-loathing that comes up, I don't know that those are ever going to go away. Mm -hmm. I think that what I am free from or that I have a different relationship to them. And the same way you say we can do hard things, which I use all the time and is just such a good guiding force. Like I can do hard things. I can also be uncomfortable. I can also be comfortable when I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I can also be happy even if I don't like how everything's going. I don't know if it's what I'm free from, but I have a a larger container Mm. now to hold mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know myself really well. Um, and it's taken a lot of time to have the courage to actually live my life as that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of experience chewing on ground glass and sort of not really, mm-hmm. um, and sort of sitting with the discomfort of, I might've ruined that thing. You know, my big um, fear was, am I going to ruin the course of my destiny mm-hmm. if I make the wrong choice? And my spiritual awakening in life has been, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You can't ruin it, babe. Mm-hmm. You're okay. Damn. That's it. There was no burning bush. It was just, you're okay. <sighs> and sometimes enough is enough. Mm-hmm. I don't have to make it better. It's just fine. It's just fine. You're fine, sweetie. It's fine. You don't have everything you want. It's fine. I love your laugh. Yeah. My laugh. Think about yeah. how so weak you'd have, have to be to be everyone's cup of tea. You'd have to be the weakest ass tea. You'd have to be the weakest ass tea. Yep. You'd have to be water. No, you'd have to be water. And, and you can't even be warm water. No. You're going to be like lukewarm. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> some people sparkly. don't like water. 
That's right. Some, some, some people, don't people hate water. It's, just, it's not possible. No. That's right. It's not possible. And the more flavorful you are, the narrow your tea audience might be. Yeah. It might Specific. be a narrow tea audience. Yeah. You know? I do think that your audience is pretty damn wide, though, Tracy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I bug the hell out of a lot of people. Not us. <laughs> I think they're the right ones. I think they're yeah. the right mm, ones. Okay, maybe, maybe. They're a different <laughs> maybe. cauldron then. We are going to let you go because- um, We could talk forever, but how long have we been talking? Has this been like seven hours? It's been an hour. It's been an Amazing. hour. And You're it's been so... one of my favorite hours of this entire show. Seriously. It's and an once hour, again, yeah. you have shown up with all of your power and vulnerability and somehow they're the exact same thing. <sighs> and uh, once again, I just, I just really love you. Um, I feel the same way. I just want to say to the three of you that I, um, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful to um, Amanda to know you, um, but to also have the honor of being a cauldron sister with you mm-hmm. and to live in a world where we can have conversations that are this gentle and real. Mm-hmm. Um and quiet and loud and that you have these conversations with lots of people. Like what a blessing. And you have them publicly and then you also have them privately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really special thing that uh, I don't think exists everywhere. It's a special thing that you're bringing it into the world and I'm happy to be a part of it. That's human. we give you Tracy Ellis Ross. Um, I'm not going to promise that it's ever going to get better than that. <laughs> so just re-listen. Okay. Yeah. For every other way, episode, enough is enough. Downhill okay. from here. It's enough. It's enough. <laughs> and when life gets hard this week, you're going to remind yourself, it's okay, sweetie. It's okay. It's, it's okay. okay gentle, gentle. Gentle, gentle. I'm right mm. here. Right here. Not going anywhere. Bye. Bye. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased desire, I made sure I got what's mine. And I continued to I'm not the 
is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. holiday season may be at its end. Thank you, baby Jesus. But the opportunities for giving amazing life-changing gifts have just begun. And yes, diapers are a life-changing gift. Imagine your first-time parent struggling with time management and financial burdens. Don't really have to imagine. I remember it directly. And all the challenges of your first child. And then you get a huge shipment of diapers funded by all your family and friends. That's a good feeling. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's exactly what Pampers is doing with their diaper stash. I love this so much. It's an online diaper fund. So you can contribute to a diaper stockpile and help ensure it never runs out. And one of the most difficult things about buying diapers for others is making sure that you guess the right fits and sizes. And with Pampers Diaper Fund, all that guesswork goes away. So if there's a new parent or expecting parent in your life, you will be making their lives a lot easier and showing them how many people are excited for their huge milestone. Organizing a diaper stash is easy. Go to diaperstash.pampers.com to set up a fund and give the ultimate group gift. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. The holiday season may be at its end. Thank you, baby Jesus. But the opportunities for giving amazing life-changing gifts have just begun. And yes, diapers are a life-changing gift. Imagine your first-time parent struggling with time management and financial burdens. Don't really have to imagine. I remember it directly. And all the challenges of your first child. And then you get a huge shipment of diapers funded by all your family and friends. That's a good feeling. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's exactly what Pampers is doing with their diaper stash. I love this so much. It's an online diaper fund. So you can contribute to a diaper stockpile and help ensure it never runs out. And one of the most difficult things about buying diapers for others is making sure that you guess the right fits and sizes. And with Pampers Diaper Fund, all that guesswork goes away. So if there's a new parent or expecting parent in your life, you will be making their lives a lot easier and showing them how many people are excited for their huge milestone. Organizing a diaper stash is easy. Go to diaperstash.pampers.com to set up a fund and give the ultimate group gift. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. 